I love to worship and praise the Lord, don't you? Praise the King, praise the King, praise the King. Glory, glory. Welcome to the Living Savior Church. Good to have every one of you today. Oh, goodness. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Anybody, any, is there anybody in this place that really, really loves Jesus? <laughs> glory. Thank you, Lord, for being our Lord and our God and being the commander-in-chief of the church and letting us be your children. It's so great and so wonderful to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to know the King and His promises. I had the privilege to teach this morning over uh, at a class in Hillcrest Church. Just a, yeah, the word class. Just a little tiny place over here, you know, and, and uh, in, North, in North Dallas, uh, Hillcrest. But uh, I thought, wow, you know, there's lots of people come to that place. Great, big, humongous church, but... We spoke in one of the classes. We had some people from out of town. They come to the class that wasn't normal attenders. Uh, they had heard that we were going to be there. I guess they read it on our website. And so they came and, and listened to us. And, of course, this morning I had a, what you might say, a question and answer session for them. I want to know if they're reading their Bible, why we don't believe these great and awesome promises. You know, so we read them. And, of course, they were amazed, some of them. Uh, especially of one little lady there, the mother, and uh, her beautiful little daughter. Uh, she's a young woman. Uh, she's a woman, or a grown woman. I don't know how old she was, but a young, beautiful girl. And it was cool in the place, I will have to say. And she had no sleeves on. And she kept snuggling up to her mother wanting to get warm. <clears throat> so when we came to Mark eleven twenty three, I asked her if she believed that verse. And, uh, well, she said yes. Uh, I said, well, Jesus did say you can have whatever you say there. So I said, why don't you speak to your body and command your body to be warm and then believe it? Wow. We never think about that, do we? You know, the king, hear the king. I mean, after all, he did give us unlimited power, didn't he? And we don't believe him. So it's so easy, you know, to step into the realms of unbelief, but just like... I mean, yesterday and today and everything else. I, I might say here while I'm right here, before we get started in the teaching, I want to say something that I hear people say all the time uh, here, even in the church. And I want you to think about this. Now, I'm going to try to drive and drill this into y'all. Uh, I want you to realize this. The Word of God says, try to live in peace with everyone. Now, do you think he really meant that? Or he tried diligently. In other words, he knew how difficult it was going to be. That's why he told you to try it. You know, try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life. Clean and holy. You know, not... Lying, stealing, cheating, committing fornication, adultery, and all that nonsense. But a clean and holy life. And he said, for those who are not holy will never see the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to see the Lord, don't you? I would love to see him now. You know, and I have heard of people, I have known of people, I have talked to people... A few men, a very few men in my life that tells me they have seen Jesus. And I, I, I just, I think, wow, 
what it would be like to see the king. I have not seen him. I've definitely heard his voice many times. But he said, look after each other so that none of us, none of you, will miss out on the special favors of God. In other words, we look after each other. You know, we talk to each other. We tell each other, you know, that if you see me doing something wrong or saying something wrong, you need to tell me. And I need to tell you, because the Lord says, watch out, watch out, look out, look after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favors of God. Look out, watch out for each other, you know, help each other, because we don't want to miss out on these special favors, do we, Terry? No, No, we don't want to miss out on these. Then he says, and and watch out. Now, this is where he puts a great big bold sign there, watch out. In other words, if Jesus tells us to watch out, there must be something that must be coming. He says, watch out that no bitter root of unbelief or no root of bitterness comes into you. Now, it's amazing how you come to church and you hear people say these kind of things. Oh, well, I know my husband hates me anyway. Or I know that my mother hates me. Or my... Brother-in-law is going to hate me and he's going to say some bad things about me. You know what that is? That's a root of bitterness. That's a root of bitterness. And when you have that spirit living in you, look what the scripture says. Watch out that no root of bitterness is among you for wherever it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. In other words, let me explain something to you that the Lord jumped this off the page at me the other night when I was reading this a few weeks ago. And He revealed to me that when I get into a state of bitterness towards someone, then when I go to them to talk to them, I may be the sweetest thing you've ever seen. But behind the scenes, I'm saying, I hate to go see that old boy. I know he never says nothing good about me. So there's that bitter root that's there. In other words, that's a demon that you've allowed in your life. And when you walk into the presence of that person, those bitter root, uh, bitterness demons, they come around and take control of everybody around you. And what you thought those people were going to say about you, that's exactly what they're going to do. Isn't that amazing? You know, but we don't realize how many times we do that as Christians. You know, I mean, the Lord told us to walk in love, didn't He? When you walk in love, why should you ever say, Oh, my husband, he really don't love me. I know he doesn't. You know, I know that he never buys me nothing or does anything nice for me. I hear women talking like that about their husbands. Or I hear all kinds of people talking about somebody else. You know, their mothers, their in-laws, their brother-in-laws, their sisters, brothers, all kinds of things. And when that root of bitterness is in you, you're opening the door to that devil to operate in their life against you. Because look what the Lord says here. Watch out that no bitter root 
no bitter root rises up among you. For wherever it springs up, many, not just one or two, but many are corrupted by its poison. Who would ever dream that you could have that kind of power to destroy somebody else? All because you had a bitter root rise up in you. But how many Christians do you know that lets that little bitter root rise up in them? Many of us. So don't go there. Walk in love. I mean, if you are with someone and they make a statement that's negative towards someone, what should you do as a child of God? Rebuke them softly and gently and say, hey, the Lord tells us to love. He tells us to walk in love. He says, don't let that bitter root rise up in none of us, lest it destroy many. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to destroy anybody around me, do you? No. But if you go through your life with a, that root of bitterness in your heart, you will defile people all around you. And as you go, everybody will talk bad about you. And that people will say, well, just what I thought. Every time I go over to John's house, all he's ever got to say is something negative about me. Because you had the bitter root of bitterness in you. And when you went over, that spirit jumped on him. And exactly what you thought was going to happen, that spirit had legal right to talk nasty to you. It's amazing, isn't it? We get a hold of the spirit world and how the spirit world controls things when you walk into God kind of love. If you go about sharing and walking in love, what's going to come back to you? Love. I don't know about you, but he says, whatever you sow, it's what you're going to reap. God shall not be mocked. Whatever a person sows, that shall they also reap. Now, if you sow loveness and love and kindness to people, I think about my mother. She was one of the best examples of this I have ever known among human beings. I knew my mother closer than any other person that I've ever been around in my life because I spent more time with her than I did anybody else in my life. But my mother, I never heard her say one negative thing about not one single person in my whole life. Never. When somebody would come in and start saying something about that old woman, my mother would, or that old man, my mother would say, you know, but the Lord told us to love them. Why don't we think about something good to say about them? You know, they really do good in this area. And they said, but artists, that's one place, and here's ten that they do bad things. She said, but let's dwell on that good one. See, now that's what God said to do, wasn't it? It's amazing that when my mother did go home to be with Jesus at age 83, that little Baptist church in Goldsway, Texas, that's the only time in my life I ever saw that thing packed. But it was packed when Mother went home to be with Jesus. That her, her funeral there. And you know what the preacher preached on? He preached on the Proverbs 31 woman. He said, Artis was the Proverbs 31 woman. The, one of the few that I've ever known in my life. It said she met every criteria. And he preached that whole sermon starting with verse 10. That she was the Proverbs 31 woman. And I had to agree with him. 
You know, she was, because I knew her better than anybody besides Dad, probably. But, you know, she was that lovely kind of woman that never said anything bad about nobody. She might have to look to find something good about you, but she would look. But if she, if there was something bad about you, she just wouldn't say nothing. She wouldn't say nothing. She never let that root of bitterness rise up within her. Not that I ever was aware of, never. She was a unique woman. A very unique woman, of which there's few like her alive today. But how many women could be like her? All of you could be. All of you. So don't go there with the root of bitterness. Now then, I just wanted to throw that in because that's free. (laughs) And I think you need to hear that. Until, Until... I don't ever hear anybody come in here and say something bad about somebody. I'm going to preach that every Sunday afternoon until you all get it right. <laughs> so if you don't want to hear me talk about the root of bitterness, don't ever come in here and say, Oh, goodness, my brother hates me. <laughs> I'm having trouble with my wife. When you come in here, come in here, just like the Scripture says, with your hands raised, praising the King. Walk into the sanctuary of God with your hands raised, worshiping, praising Him, and talking good about everybody. No negative things, because we're going to reap what we sow in this church, and I want us to reap good things and not tares. Don't y'all? Yeah. Absolutely right. By the way, Terry, uh, have y'all show aired yet? No. No. Um, August, uh, the week of August the 28th. Oh, it's August. August the 28th, 29th, or 30th. Yeah, okay. 31st, okay. Uh, Terry and Frank have such a tremendous testimony about how the Lord healed their marriage and their children and everything else. And uh, they went down and James Robinson interviewed them the other day and had a made a 30-minute show, I guess. I think you all were on 30 minutes, yeah. And uh, uh, they only got to tell, I think Terry said, about four minutes of, of actually the testimony is all she got to tell. But I'm, I'm going to tell her what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell it before all of you all. One of these days in the near future, when we start adding another addition onto our ministry center out there, onto the south end, I'm going to add in enough space to have a fairly large set with cameras and everything where I can make my television shows and everything from right there. I'm going to get some television quality cameras, at least two or maybe three, and then I'm going to put two or three sets in that big room where we can do like they do. You know, set a set where you can look at it at different times. And it looks like you're in a completely different environment, but yet everything's in the same room. And I'm going to take people like Terry and Frank, and I'm going to bring them out there. And we're going to sit down and we're going to tell their testimony in detail. Amen. I mean, in detail. And then I'm going to air those testimonies on GLC, you know, in, in our 30-minute shows because... We have so many people that we've had so many wonderful healings and miracles from. I mean, people's lives that have been dramatically changed. I mean, when you take her and her husband, which were at a brink of a divorce, literally couldn't stand each other, you know, uh, and and this all happened within a nine-year period, you know, got married, and, and it started after one year, and they had three children, three miscarriages, and the three children they got are all sick, and one of them's really sick. And whenever she found out what the problem was, and she corrected the problem, today their marriage is on solid ground. They're in mad love with each other, and all three of their children are completely healed. And in fact, one of them had a leg that had been operated on, which was continuing to get worse. 
and the other leg was beyond being able to have surgery on, and it was expecting shortly the young boys to be an invalid in a wheelchair, and today the young boy is playing football. You know, I mean, he's on fire for Jesus. But they had to meet the criteria God's laid out in His Word. And today they are blessed. And everybody needs to hear that testimony because there's a lot of people out there that are right where y'all were, Terry, and you know that. And that's why she wanted to tell this testimony. And, of course, she didn't get to tell much of it, you know, just a few minutes of it. But the day's coming when we're going to have the materials and things and instruments where we can film these kind of things and their entirety. And we won't have a bunch of commercials or something to break in between. We just talk about it, you know, the whole time and let God be glorified. But many of you here in this room have those kind of testimonies. Many of you. Now, for a while, I used to take one or two of those at a time, and I'd bring, take you back there in the room, and we'd talk about your testimony to put on the radio. But I had never had the ability to put that on television. But now then that we're on television covering about two-thirds of the Earth's surface. In other words, where we are right now on television, five and six half-hour shows a week, you can virtually not go anywhere that you can't get our show if you have the right antennas or the right satellites or you're on the right cables or channels because we're covering all of Canada, all of North America, and virtually all of South America, and we're covering all of the Asian continent, all the way from about a, the upper one-third of North Africa, all the way up down to Australia, all the way up around over Japan, all over Siberia, all the way back down and over about one-third of, of England, down about one-third or two-thirds of Germany, back down to Africa. And everything in between that circle, you can get our show. In fact, in uh, India, we are on, it's either 175 or 275 million homes every day in India. You know, it's amazing what God is doing. You know, I, it's just beyond my wildest dreams what God is doing. So whatever we put, it's going to be seen you know, has the possibility, just like James, his shows are seen all over the world. Well, right now, we're in the same place. We're showing these things and these teachings we're doing. God obviously is happy, you know, to air us all over the world. And the beautiful part about it is, it doesn't cost us anything. You know, the airtime is free. How many deals do you know like that? You know, to be on television worldwide and don't have to pay for it? Wow. So that's how we're able to do that. Because if I had to pay for that airtime uh, at the going rates, there's no way at this point that I could do that. But God told Tommy and Al he was going to bring a healing ministry alongside them. And they were to air my t the, the teachings of that minister. And whenever I happened to come by and they heard me and saw what God was doing, Al said, you're it. You're it. You're the one that God had talked to us about. So we're going to air your shows, and we're going to put them on free. So what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. Now then, before we get started with the teaching today, we're actually going to teach on, does anybody have a testimony that you'd like to share? Well, here's Pat down here. She's got one. Come up here, Pat. Glory to God. And tell us what the Lord has done for you. Well, a month ago, Thurman prayed for us that our, we put our house on the market, and he said, you know, Lord, just give them their asking price. And we came within $1,000 of what we were asking. Yesterday, I found a place to move my business to. Amen. So God is really doing some awesome things. But a week ago, 
this friend of mine called me that came to church here for a while and she moved to Florida and she was taking your tapes to this church and praying over people and anointing them just like she learned from you. Well, she called last week crying and she got kicked out of this church. <laughs> they said, you cannot teach what Thurman is teaching. God doesn't heal today. And so anyway, um, she found another church, but she actually got kicked out of a church for praying over people and seeing people get healed. And the elders and the pastor called her in. And she said, but, you know, I'm standing on the word and God's healing them. Well, they just couldn't explain it, but they said that she was not welcome. And that's what's happening wow. in America, which is really sad. Um, it's interesting that this is happening the way it's happened because you, you basically set the stage for what the Lord's put on my heart to share with all of you. Um, you know, Thurman's been teaching by the word of the Lord that we're to pray about everything. Well, let me tell you, that is exactly what you better be doing. Pray about everything. Everything in your life, you should pray over. Put God in your problem and you'll get your problems solved. Amen. Let me tell you a little secret of which I learned. I've learned this over the years. God's power is made strong when you're weak. What that means is, is when you try to do it, God backs off. When you hand it to God, He steps in and takes care of it all. The less you do and the more He does, the more you'll see the miracles in your life. Now let me share you with, with you this. Because this is very important, I hope. Everybody has an ear to hear in Jesus' name. There's going to come a time in America when that's going to be literal. If you don't enter into your cross now and enter into the wilderness and learn how to rely on God in every single thing you do, you will be thrown into it when you least expect it and you'll have to trust God or you'll perish. It's just that simple. We're heading toward it very fast from what I know and what I hear in the prophecies around the world right now. We may not have more than just a very short time. I'm talking about a few years or less before America and the religious world that she just mentioned a while ago is going to turn against the real true church in America. Here's the reason why, and I've got to share this with you, brother, because this is why what you're doing is so important. The Lord gave me a word for you about three years ago about a light up in the sky. That's that satellite. God is using people like Thurman and there are others as well that are ministering right now, preparing the church for what's about to take place. The Word of God is the only thing you're going to have to stand on. If you don't know that Word, you're going to be very helpless. You're not going to be able to survive what's going to happen. God has got to separate the wheat from the tares, and He's going to do it in this tribulation. He's got to bring out of this world, just like He brought Israel out of Egypt. Okay, But remember something. God got them out of Egypt, but it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of them. So don't wait that long. Prepare now. Study the Word. Begin to practice the Word. Do what it says. Get Thurman's tapes. Listen to them over and over and over. Because every time I listen to them, and Pat does religiously, <laughs> uh, you're going to see and hear more and more every single time. Because God handpicked this man and others like him to preach a very important message in America. Get ready. The time is very short. And the fire and the storm that's coming into this country is for the purpose of separating his church out of the world. 
And the reason why God's held back the judgment in this country, and I, there's two men I know of right now, they didn't even know each other, and God put them together not too long ago. But they both saw a bomb over America, and it was just above the water, just above the land. And God said, the reason why I delayed that punishment twice is because my people aren't ready. Remember when the prophet gave a word in the Old Testament? And he said, Lord, please be merciful to Jacob. He's too little. God delayed that storm. When Jonah went to Nineveh and prophesied 40 days and this city will be burned or be destroyed, God delayed that because the people repented. The reason why God's delayed is because the real church in America has been praying. But God's bringing everything to a close because what is already foreordained is going to happen anyway. But what you need to know is is that God's preparing us for His return. But before He does, He's going to manifest the sons of God in the world. That's the people who really are truly walking with God in holiness and righteousness. And let me give you a little hint of what that really means because he's been teaching on it for a long time. And I have to share this because it's really important what I've learned about the difference between the letter that kills and the spirit that gives life. He preaches the spirit. And the reason why is because signs, wonders, and miracles confirm that word. If you go somewhere where that's not happening, get out now. Because these are the people that are throwing out the true people of God out of their churches. They walk in a form, but they deny the power of God within their lives. God is going to display His power in the world. And He's going to uh, display that through the manifestation of the sons of God. That's what He's doing with all of us. And the only way you can do that is to have a relationship, number one, with Jesus Christ. You have to not just know Him in your head and know about Him. Just like a husband and wife, they don't just know about each other, they know each other. If you spend any time together in an intimate relationship, it's the same thing with Jesus. You have to have that. You have to get the Word, the teaching in your heart to where it becomes a part of your life, a part of your speaking. That's what He teaches. That's why God's using Him around the world to get the Gospel out before all this begins to happen. So walk the cross now, and then God will bless you now so that when the storm comes, He can deliver you through it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do we have any other testimonies? We got anybody else? We got got one. I don't know if this young lady's got her hands up to give a testimony. You're just praising the Lord. Okay. Praise the Lord. Got two I want to share today. One of them, in 1992, I got out of the Navy with a disability. Had a bad hip, had to walk with a cane. The Lord healed it. But something we need to remember about our enemy is he's going to try to sneak attack us occasionally. Just this morning I woke up, and I'm walking like this. So I said, Devil, I know the king of the universe. That's my daddy. You have no part of me. You get out in Jesus' name. I am perfectly healthy. That has been healed for once and forever. And you notice I walk right up here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Amen. healing stays. Don't let the enemy steal it. Amen. Amen. The other thing I want to share, I was witnessing to a man at work. And I work at a warehouse. And as I just wandered around and got on the corner of the ramp where the ramp goes down for a vehicle to drive up into the warehouse, my ankle twisted out from under me. For just a split second, I'm standing on the side of my ankle, not on my foot, because my foot's about 90 degrees out of where it's supposed to be. I didn't fall down the ramp. My angel's there. He caught me. I'm leaning about like this, and all of a sudden, straighten up, get my foot under me. 
The man I'm talking to says, are you all right? I said, Jesus is watching out for me. I am fine. He said, there is no way you can be fine. I saw that. I heard that because I had this loud pop. I said, no, no, no. And I start walking around in a circle. Jesus has got me. He's got my back. He's there for me. I am fine. And it's just like Thurman tells us, you possess what you confess. I didn't give myself time to doubt and to think about it and to test it. I just said, I'm fine. Jesus is there for me. And it was. No stiffness, no swelling, no pain. 100% fine. Because the king is with us. Amen. That's what he promised. Praise the Lord. All right. Okay, let's... Oh, oh, we got another one? Oh, okay. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. My name is Paul Vitto, and this is my daughter. Uh, we were going to come over here two weeks ago, and maybe it's two and a half weeks ago. We were going to come over here for a Sunday afternoon sermon, and uh, she was over here helping me wash my pickup before we came over here, and she was rinsing the truck off of the water hose, and the water hose came across her leg right down here, and immediately gashed her leg open like something I'd never seen. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, daddy. And I go, it's okay. I want to tell you what, Mr. Scribner, you're such an awesome, powerful man of God. You have taught me so much in the six months that I've been listening to everything. Like, like Wally says, take what Thurman says, take it to heart. What I say is what Jesus says. I understand. Believe me, I know where it comes from. I read the Word, too. I read the Word, too. But I understand. But but by listening to you teach the Word of God like you do, I immediately grabbed the little girl, and her leg was just gushing blood out of it. And I told her, I said, don't look at it. Because I remember what you said about when when you went to Caitlin at the hospital, and the devil kept saying, look at her. And he said, no, I refuse that. I, I, I go by what I the word says. Amen. So I looked at the little girl's leg and I described it and I, I, I held my hand up to heaven. I said, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, with all power and authority I've been given, stop the bleeding. The bleeding stopped. And I go, yeah. And I told her, I said, don't look at it. Don't pay no attention to it. We've probably all of us got kids. Every one of us have got kids. I would have went and got stitches six months ago. But no. No, there's no stitches. There'll be no scar. Does God take away scars? Amen. Huh? Does he take away scars? <laughs> yeah. I know. And I've learned this, and I've been playing over it, and it just keeps drying up. She goes, Daddy, it's looking purple today. And I go, we don't look at what it looks like. Look how little it is today, and it's almost gone. And we yeah. keep playing over it every day. Yeah. I want to tell you about the Living Savior Ministries right here. When I walk in, I smell the smell of God. I do. I smell the smell of God when I come in here. I, smell, I feel more love from God's children and God's people than I do in, in big churches. Big churches. And I do. And this church is, is anointed of God. There's more holy people of, of God in this place right here that are without spot or wrinkle. And if Jesus Christ showed up on that cloud in the east this morning like he did at so many other churches, there would be a lot of people left. I think this one would be empty. I believe that. I do. Well, don't, don't, you think, don't you think that there are people... And I brought another little girl down here that had warts, and you weren't here. And I said, Brother Thurman, will pray them warts will go. Well, you weren't here. And I said, is there someone in this audience that would pray over this little girl? Of course there was. You know, of course there was. And some ladies came up after the church. They prayed for the little girl. He, she had had warts on her leg for I don't know how long. 
But they prayed the prayer of faith over her, anointed her with oil. Before we got home, an hour later, one of the big warts is gone. And I go, see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> These people in here believe everything that you're teaching. And miracles are happening. Little, Amen. small, but they're getting bigger and Amen. getting bigger. And we praise the Lord every breath of every day of our life because we want to walk in obedience to the Lord because we want to possess what you teach, Amen. the Word of God. And there's nothing God won't do for those who diligently seek Him. Amen. Hey, that's what the Word says. I, I read that. Hebrews 11. 11.6. I'm learning chapter and verse. 11.6. He said, He is a rewarder for those who diligently seek Him. I seek Him every day. I want to be somewhere. One day, I want to be where you are, where many signs and miracles, not just little bitty ones like this, but great signs and miracles because you're an awesome, powerful man of God. And I love you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, goodness. Well, let me explain to you something that. This last week, we were in Linden, Washington, teaching the Word, and I got a whole new perspective of what a tree is. <laughs> you know, when I go to East Texas, I see trees this big around, you know, that's 100 feet tall. And I think, man, look at them giant trees. Well, let me tell you, those are a blade of grass. <laughs> I saw trees up in the mountains up there close to where Mount Baker was, or we did, that were 10 foot in diameter, 36 feet around them, that were 300 feet tall. I mean, that's a tree. And then, you know, I mean, wow, that's the biggest tree I ever saw. And then we went on up into the park there finally, and they only opened the park upon Mount Baker that morning that we got there, Wednesday morning, and they had just cleared enough snow off the parking lot so people could park, and the snow drifts where they had cleared through and cut through, it was nearly as tall as that building. The top of they were at least 10 feet. We took some pictures beside the drifts where they'd cut through them to remove the snow off the parking lot, and they said the parking lot will only be open for two months, and then it will be closed again because of snow. I thought, as we looked at all of the beauty of all of that, I thought, if you can't worship and praise God up here, you know, as a tide, I was sitting beside the window coming in, and we flew right beside of Mount Baker, and, and it's about eleven or 12,000 feet tall. It had lots of snow everywhere. And we looked out at that mountain range, and we think, wow, God made all that just for us, his children. You know, he didn't have to make this earth. But he made it and gave it to us, and he made all these beautiful things for us. So, I will have to say, when the, was, it was said a while ago that uh, this poor lady that was teaching what the Word says and got thrown out of church, I will have to say that's happened lots of times where I have taught the Word of God. I've seen a lot of people thrown out of church when you're actually... Reading the Word of God. I mean, quoting what's written in God's Word. And, I mean, you know, I know. I've been come against and, I mean, oh, well, you know the verse that I have probably used to see more people's needs met. It makes no difference whether it be healing or finances or whatever it is. The one verse that I've used more than any other verse is Matthew eighteen nineteen. And do you know the average person that reads that verse 
don't believe that verse. Where Jesus said, again, I tell you that if just two of you, in other words, you and Frank, could agree about anything on this earth, he'll do it for you. And, of course, the thing you've got to realize now, that's if you're being led by the Spirit of God. You know, if you're led by the Spirit of God, it goes back to the old covenant where the Lord says, If you, my children, will obey me and do what I say, then I will bless your socks off and I will meet all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I will meet those needs. And he said, And I will take all sickness and disease away from you and you won't have any. Now then, if God made us a promise, those kind of promises under the old covenant, and they're all based around obedience, then what do you think the promises under the new covenant are based around? Obedience. He's still God. He's still our daddy. He was daddy 6,000 years ago, and he's still daddy today. You know, and the beautiful part about it, he hadn't got any older. You know, he don't get old. You know, he is forever and that's the thing that you and I cannot comprehend. You know, that really, we, that's where we have to start walking by faith. You know, that's the thing that my daughter used to constantly question me. Daddy, where did God come from? Well, see, I said, he has forever been. Well, about Daddy, you know, he had to have a beginning. I said, no, he didn't. Now, that's something I have to receive by faith. I can't grasp that. Every one of you in here had a beginning point and before you were conceived, you were not. And then all of a sudden you are. And then you are going to live forever from the time you're generated forth. You're going to live forever somewhere. You're going to spend a few years, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, or maybe 80, 90, or 100, or 110, or 20 years, or 150 years, or whatever you have faith for. You're going to walk in a physical, tangible body on this earth. And then that body is going to deteriorate and it's going to die. And when it does, then you're either going to go to hell and spend eternity in that place being burned and being tormented and being tormented by Satan and his demons forever. And there will be no end to that. Or you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're going to spend eternity in a place that's going to be so wonderful, you'll not even be concerned about tomorrow. I mean, time. You think sometimes, you know, time, some of us today have so much fun, you know, living, and somebody says, well, how old are you? You say, well, I'm 30. And then all of a sudden, it seems like next week, somebody says, how old are you? You say, well, I'm 60. 60? Wow, let's see, I was only 30 yesterday. Boy, does life go by in a hurry. Well, it does, doesn't it? You know, but it really goes by in a hurry when you're having fun. You know, when you're enjoying what you're doing, life goes by. Wow. You think about how quick it goes by. But see, that's the life that the Lord has planned for you and I as Christians who enjoy on this earth. Now then... If you were sitting or laying in a hospital bed in sickness and disease, life, those days going by, would not be no fun. You know, I mean, I think about some of the people that I've seen and what they have suffered. Wow. Mm, how awful that is. Now then, in Hebrews 12, 
Actually, Hebrews 13. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Actually, start with verse 6. Because in verse 5, the Lord says, I will never forsake you. Hebrews 13. Then verse 6 says this. That is why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. So when you realize the Lord is there, in fact, the other day I was in a pilot shop, and it said a little sign up there, said, the Lord is my co-pilot. I told the lady, I said, you know, I would buy one of those if it said, if God is my captain and I'm his co-pilot. I don't want to be, I don't want God to be my co-pilot. I want him to be my captain. And that's where I'm going to place him in the highest position of authority. And I want to be under him. So I don't want him to be my co-pilot. It's nice to have a good co-pilot. In fact, right here, I might tell you a story about a man that was a, uh, a Vietnam vet, and he was a fighter pilot, and he was a great, great air, uh, pilot, and so he was a great airline pilot. And nothing shook him because he had been through hell in Vietnam. He had been shot at, shot up, and had to land in emergency several times, so he knew what it was to go through those devastating times. <laughs> but anyway, we was hoping that wouldn't happen. I don't know what makes that happen every once in a while. Dave's trying to figure that out, but once in a while that happens. I don't know why. One of these days we will find out, and we will get it corrected. But anyway, back in the days whenever they had the huge earthquake in California, the huge earthquake, and so much devastation was out there, all of the news was on California. It didn't make any what happened. All the news was on that devastating earthquake in California. This has been many years ago. But this good friend of mine, he was one of our general managers in one of our plants. And I kept telling him, him and his wife were having a problem. They were going to get a divorce. And, and I told him, I said, the problem with you all, the reason you're going to get a divorce is because you spend too much time at work and you don't spend enough time with your wife and your children. I said, you've made God... Your God, your work, and you've not served the living God. And I said, one of these days, now this man was about 40, 38, something like that, and he had two or three fairly good-sized children. I think his son was about 12 or something like that. And I told him, I said, you know, you need to spend some time with your children. I said, they're living in Phoenix with your wife, and you're living in Minneapolis running an operation up there. And I said, you need to take off on weekends, and you can fly on Northwest. They'll let you fly down there, being a general manager. They'll let you fly on their airplane because we catered them. I said, but you need to spend some time with your children and your wife, really. And so I said, you never know when life's going to be over. He said, Thurman, I'm only, whatever, 36 or 38. I said, you know, nothing to do with it. Nothing. I said, you know, you can die at any age. Do you all know that? Just because you're 30 or 40 or 50 don't mean you're going to live to be 80 or 90. You know, you can die today. So you need to live. Let me put this to you. Life lived in terms of dying is much more dynamic. If you don't think about that, you think, well, I've got forever. I mean, you may do some stupid things. But if you think, you know, what if, what if today were my last day? 
Well, whenever you think about this, you turn over to your wife on the way down. She's putting her makeup on. As soon as she gets it put on, you turn over until you say, wow, you sure are beautiful. And you tell her those. You make compliments to her. Because you don't know. That might be the last compliment you ever get to make her. You know, nobody knows these things. So anyway, this friend of mine, he listened to me. And he got on a Northwest airplane that night. It was a DC-9. And he was going to Phoenix to visit his children. And they were up over the mountains of Colorado. And for some strange, unique reason, they got excessive water in the fuel. And both engines on that DC-9 just totally quit at the same time. And it was night. When both engines quit, you don't have nothing left for electricity. So all the lights in the airplane go out except a few that are battery powered down the center of the runway, uh, the walkway. And let me tell you, it's dark in that airplane whenever it's been bright light, and it gets very quiet when both engines quit. And they were like 37 or 39,000, whatever, and all of a sudden everything is dead. The co-pilot in that airplane was a young man in his early 30s. He had never been through any of these things like this old seasoned captain that had been to Vietnam and fought the war. This young co-pilot panicked. What are we going to do? And this old captain says, the moon's shining. And there's a 4,500 foot strip down here in these mountains somewhere. I know about where it's at. We're going to land this thing on that strip. And this young co-pilot, he said, you never put this thing in on a 4,500-foot strip at night with nothing but the moon. He said, you watch me. (laughs) So this young pilot, this co-pilot, if it had been up to him, everybody on that airplane that night would have died. But thank God for an old seasoned captain, which was about 55 years old back in that time. He began to circle that airplane and look for that thing he knew where he was. He always was aware of where he was on his charts. And he, in the moonlight, he saw that concrete strip down there in the moonlight in those mountains. He flew this Northwest DC-9 around in a circle until he came in dead stick and landed this thing and hit right on the numbers of that concrete strip. And, of course... When he did, he's got very limited braking. He doesn't have all, has no thrust reverse, no engines are running. He hasn't got spoilers. He hadn't got a lot of things. But he puts that baby on with the gear down, right on the ends of the numbers, tries everything he can to stop it, but he runs right off the other end of the runway and shears the gear out from under it, and he goes bouncing through the fields and the rocks. And when it comes to a stop, this friend of mine says all the time, when those engines quit, I'm thinking, Thurman told me, I never know when today may be my last day. He said, all of a sudden, life lived in terms of dying became much more dynamic to me. Because he said, I thought, today may be my last day on the earth. And if that copilot had been flying that beast, it would have been. But that captain dead stick that airplane in on that runway. And when they got to the end of the runway and it stopped, and it's still intact... He said, oh, praise God. You know, we're going to be saved. And then he said, somebody tried to open the door and they couldn't get out. Why? Because the airplane was still pressurized. You can't open the door on an airplane. If it's pressurized a half inch, you can't get out that door. 
Somebody happened to think, take the axe and bust the windows out. And they did. And then whoosh, all the air went out. And they opened the door and went running off out there in freedom. Finally, they got to a place where a telephone was. They sent a bunch of buses, to, a couple of big buses, two or three of them, whatever it was, up there in the mountains. And they picked them up. And that didn't even hit the news because of the earthquake in California. So nobody knew it. Northwest was extremely glad. They didn't want that kind of publicity. But it happened. And a good friend of mine was on that airplane. But let me tell you, that little experience changed that man's life forever. He began to get back in love with his wife. He began to get in love with his children. He started spending time with his wife and children, realizing that he never knows, even though in his late 30s, he's not guaranteed a tomorrow. You're not either. So while you're here, let's try our best to live our life in terms of dying it really makes it much more dynamic. You can take the people that come in. You can have time for them when before you don't have time. You can love people when before you couldn't love them. You can share with people when before you couldn't share with them. Because, you know, we all think, oh, I'm going to go here and do this. You know, next year I'm going to do that. Ten years from now I'm going to do this. No, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Love the Lord your God and serve Him. Because... How would you like to say, well, Lord, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to wait till I get 60 or 65, and then I'm going to retire, and then I'll start serving you. You may never live to be 65. And if you die and have not come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or if you died as a Christian and produced absolutely no fruit for the kingdom, how would you like to stand before God one day and you hadn't done not one single thing for him in all the years he'd given you? Would that be a sad state of affairs? I don't want to get to heaven with no rewards, do you? I don't want to be what I would consider a stripped buck private in heaven for eternity. I was in the military, and I was a buck private one time. And I don't want to be one of them forever, even on earth. They have no privileges. None. But that's the way we're, some of us are going to be. So don't let that happen to you. Produce fruit for the kingdom. Walk holy before God. And don't let that root of bitterness get in you because it will defile many. Now then, the Lord says, He is my helper and I will not be afraid. Aren't you glad we have the Lord as our helper? I'm glad I got Him. So then, the, and I'm reading out of, to you out of the NLT. I like the NLT. The more I read out of this thing, the better I like it. The New Living Translation. It is so clear you know, of course, I read it, and I, and I have three translations up here with me right now. I've got the King James, the New King James, and the NLT. So I've got them all on these pieces of paper because I like all of them. But the NLT is the easiest to understand. I mean, anybody can read the NLT and get the message. It, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to get this. I mean, it's so clear in what it says. Then he says, what... Can mere mortals do to me if God is with me? You don't have to be afraid of nobody, do you? You don't have to be afraid of nothing. Now then, when you step into fear, let's, let's go back and take the example of Peter. 
Now, we, we condemn Peter a whole lot for denying the Lord three times. I mean, you know, what kind of a dummy was this guy? Here he walked with God all this time, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit then, so give him a break. You know, even without the Holy Spirit, when he was out there on the water, he said, Lord, if that's really you, let me come to you on the water. He said, come on. Peter said, okay, Lord. And he stepped out of that boat in the middle of a storm. Now, I don't know a single one of us in this room got that kind of faith. Do you? I mean, there's a storm raging. And Jesus is walking on the water. And he said, Lord, if that's really you, let me come to you on the water. And he said, come on. Peter never even hesitated. He jumped out of that boat right down on that water and starts walking on that water. Well, let me tell you, before you condemn Peter, let's, let's find out how far you've walked on that water. You know, now, if you're walking on the water, then you might be able to say something about Peter. But if you ain't walking water yet, don't condemn the boy. Because he walked on the water. But when he's walking on the water, the devil, he really stirs up everything around you. And he did then. And as he stirred up the winds and the waves, Peter began to look at the... I can just see now the devil saying, Demons! Stir up that wind, make it big, and bring them big waves in so Jesus, so Peter can't even see Jesus. And I can just see when those huge waves would come up, and then the wave would go to maybe get a glimpse of Jesus over there, and he's thinking, the devil's putting thoughts in his mind, bombarding his mind. You fool, what are you doing out here on this water? You're going to die on this water. Nobody can walk on water. And all of a sudden, he began to listen to those thoughts. He took his eyes off the Lord began to look at his circumstances. And when it did, it says fear. Where does fear come from? A devil. Jesus tells us if he's with us, we shouldn't be afraid of nothing. So if we're out on a stormy sea and we're walking by faith on that stormy sea, don't look at your circumstances around you. You know, no fear. Absolute zero fear. Be in faith. And if you stay in faith... God is always there in faith. But when you get into fear, who just took over? The devil. Sure. The devil just took over. And of course, when Peter beginning to sink, before he even went down very far, he's beginning to sink. He cried out to the Lord, 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 save me. Well, the Lord walked over and reached down, picked him up by the arm, pulled him up, looked him in the eye and said, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Well, I wonder what he would say to me and you today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing he said to the disciples. You perverse and wicked bunch. How long am I going to have to put up with you guys? I know that's what he would say to me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. If we only had the faith to do what he told us we could do. Don't go into that fear. Because when you do it, it does not make the king happy. He tells us, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Then he says, remember, your leaders who who first taught you the word of God. Oh, we used to have some leaders that really taught us the word. Now then, it's unfortunate. But if you want to know what the word says and believe it, you've got to read it yourself. But few people are just like myself. I read this book for years and read it, but I didn't believe it meant what it said. I didn't believe it. I mean, you know, the devil would say, wasn't it nice that all those wonderful things happened to those boys back yonder 2,000 years ago? Isn't it nice that those disciples, those apostles, 
they could do miracles and signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. But that don't work no more. That went away with the apostles. How many times have I heard preachers say that? Far too many. But let me tell you, signs and miracles and wonders didn't go away with the apostles. When you stay in faith, they're still here today. You know, they work. Praise God. Aren't we grateful? All we got to do is be obedient. Do what the Lord says, and He will produce signs and miracles and wonders. Ain't nobody knows that better than you do, Terry. I mean, you know, especially when I think about your oldest son. And that boy, which is going to be an invalid today, is running and playing and healthy. Aren't we grateful that we know God and that we obeyed Him and did what He said? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Remember your leaders who first taught you the Word of God. So you, you need some leaders that will teach you. So think of all the good that has come from their lives. Now, if you find a man or a woman of God that's teaching the Word of God, he, through the Word of God, is having an impact on the people that he's teaching. You know, if, if people's lives are not being changed by your preacher, it seems to me like Paul said, well, maybe you need to find you another church. If you're not being changed or you're not being challenged with the Word to walk holy and in faith, if you just go there on Sunday and you get a feel-good message and there's never any miracles or signs or nothing like that and there's never a prayer line at the end of service, nobody's lives are being changed or challenged, nobody's being blessed, I'm telling you, you're not hearing the true Word of God. The true Word produces signs and miracles and wonders. The true Word of God in your life, when you pray in faith, will change your life. Things will happen. And it says, remember of these men, that the good has come from their lives, and trust the Lord as they do. So see, that's what I'm trying my best to teach you, to do what God has shown me. And as you do what God has shown me from His Word, He confirms with signs and miracles and wonders, that He's there for you. I'm not somebody special. I just happen to be one of His children. I guess that does make us all special, though, doesn't it? To be one of God's children, that makes you pretty special. Wow. You know, wow, to be one of God's children. We don't realize how special we are. You know, I mean, I've had a lot of people, you know, especially when I tell people about my son, and what I've done for him since uh, my daughter got killed, you know, so I don't have any more children. Had two, and now I only got one left. And I tell people the wonderful things I've done for my son by taking my life savings out and investing it in a place of business and all that stuff for him and setting him up. I've had a lot of men and women say, would you like to have another son or daughter? <laughs> well, if I had another one, I couldn't do for them what I've done for that one because... And I couldn't have done that if I'd have still had two. I, I used to get tickled that uh, Tim and Amanda, they'd be kidding each other. And Tim would say, what are we going to do, Amanda, when Daddy goes home to be with Jesus? And Tim says, well, I want his investments. I want his money he's got in savings. Amanda said, well, I'll take the farm. You know, so I used to get tickled at them. Never did I dream, you know, that the day would come in such a short period of time that Amanda would go home to be with Jesus first. 24 years old. You know, you never dream 
when you walk up on Thursday evening to your beautiful 24-year-old daughter at the sink washing dishes and pat her on the back and she turns around and I say, hi, honey, how you doing? She said, daddy, I love you. Turns around, kisses me on the cheek and I just kind of pat her on the back and said, I love you too, honey. And I turn and walk away. I had no idea that that spoken word and that little light kiss on my cheek would be the last spoken words I'd ever have with my daughter. Because that was Thursday evening, and Friday I didn't see her, and Saturday morning, whenever she left, I didn't see her either. I had no idea that 8 o'clock or so that morning that her mama would be in eternity with the Lord for it. That's how, happened. That's how quickly your life can be totally changed. So you don't know. So walk in love. Walk in love. You know, you, you don't want to have your mate go home to be with Jesus and then you sit around and mope for a month or two or three saying, Oh God, if I had only been better. To, if I had known I only had another week or another month, I would have been better to them. No, be better to them all the time. Amen. Love them. You know, walk in love. You never know. Yeah, we hope you have many, many years together. But nobody knows that. You don't know that. So walk in love. That way, your mate, when you go away, can say, you know, my, my wife or my husband or whatever it is that might be left, say, boy, did they love me. Boy, was life good with my mate. That's the way, that's the memories you should have. Because you don't know. So do what the Lord says here. It says... After he talks about remembers your leaders and, and how good has come from their lives and trust the Lord as they do. Then verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, the king never changes, does he? No, he's the same. So if he was the one that met our needs 5,000 years ago, he'll meet them today, won't he? If he was the one that judged us 5,000 years ago... He will judge us today if we don't judge ourselves. You don't want to be judged by the king. You'd rather judge yourself and straighten your act up. Had you, brother? Uh Yeah, this man over here, he's just like me. He wants to judge himself and get right because he don't want a spanking from God. I definitely don't want one from him. I have buried too many men that were young that disobeyed God, disobeyed God and stopped producing fruit for the kingdom of God. And in a few years, at 40 or 50 years old, they died. And when I asked the Lord, why? He said, because they didn't produce any fruit. I cut their tree down. Isn't that amazing? The scripture says the same thing. We don't think, oh, that, all that stuff was 4,000 years ago. He doesn't mean that today. What, what did Hebrews 13 eight say? He's the same when? So he don't change, does he? The way he did things 3,000, 6,000, 10,000 years ago, he does them exactly the same way today. He never changes. So get that in your thinking. Get that in your heart. Jesus don't ever change. He's God. He runs the show. He told us what he would do. And if he did something uh, 2,000 years ago, he'll do the same thing today. I mean, if, if he gives the men power to cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, to meet the needs, whatever it is, he's de- delegated that power and authority to us if we'll believe. So why does it happen? Well, just like this morning over at uh, Hillcrest, one of the gentlemen, he said uh, about two years ago, and of course he's not a dummy, 
he has an MBA from Harvard. You know, so you're not exactly a dummy if you have an MBA from Harvard. You know, I don't know a lot of men that have an MBA from Harvard or whatever. But anyway, he has one. But he was sick and afflicted and had taken thousands of pills throughout his life. And every year, this time of year, his face is all swelled and everything, and you know, with tears and sneezing and allergies and all that stuff. And about two years ago, he had been listening to my stuff. And he said, you know, I, God, what you, this man is a student of the Word. And he said, Lord, what Thurman's teaching is what's in your book. But how come you won't answer my prayers? Why is it you don't hear my prayer? And he said, one day he was over here and I said, you know, the reason a lot of people don't get your prayers answered is because Psalm 66, 18, the Lord says, if you hide iniquity in your heart, I will not hear your prayer. And then in John 9, 31, it said, we know God does not hear the prayer of a sinner. He said, I went and read John 9, 31. And he said, that's what it said. So he said, that's what's wrong with me and you, God. I'm a sinner. I need to get rid of my sins and start walking in faith and walking in love. So this man gave the testimony this morning at the end of the teaching over at Hillcrest. He said, a couple of years ago, I repented of my sins of unbelief. And I began to believe God and walk holy before Him. And he said, I immediately had the Lord start answering my prayer. He said, I threw away all of the medication and pills, which I had taken thousands in the last many years. And he said, in the last two years, I've not had one single pill. I've had no problem with my allergies. No more red or swelled faces in the spring and the fall. And he said, I'm telling you, I am walking in divine health because of what I learned from Thurman teaching the Word of God. Now, you know this guy wasn't a dummy, you know, because if he's got an MBA from Harvard, he's a pretty sharp critter. You know, you don't get there without some teaching, you know, some education, I mean, study. But, hey, it makes no difference. You can be a Ph.D. from the best school in the nation still be sick and afflicted if you don't believe God's Word. That has nothing to do with it. You can be, the, you can be a little dishwasher in a restaurant working for minimum pay and you can either be sick and afflicted or you can be walking in divine health. It all determines and revolves around what you know about God. That's what's going to do it. It's not having a degree. It's not going to college. not going to high school. It's studying God's Word. Amen. That's where the answers are at, in God's Word. But you've got to obey. Now look, look what he says here. We go on here. It says... He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor. Now then, when you read, when you teach the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, don't, in fact, one of the gentlemen over there this morning, he was also, oh, by the way, I was tickled with him, and he was—he said he was a graduate of A and M. I said, "Oh, you'd get along fine with my associate pastor." I said, "He's a graduate of A and M too. You and him fit right in together." I was tickled at him, and when at the, when the class was over this morning, uh, he came up to me and shook my hand, grabbed my hand, great big old great big guy, grabbed my hand, shook my hand, everything. He said, "Praise God." He said, I'm, he said, I hate it when people come to this class to teach us and they take one verse and they talk for 45 minutes or so around one verse. He said, man, you took us all over the Bible. He said, you didn't have no notes. 
He said, you just went everywhere. And he said, man, the stuff you taught this morning, it challenged me. I said, well, praise God if what I taught come out of God's Word and it didn't challenge you, I ain't doing much. You know, that's where we need to be. We need to be challenged every day with the Word of God when we read it. But look what he's saying here. Don't be, you know, don't be uh, uh, drawn off with these uh, unclean things that people are saying. Because our spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules about food which don't help those who follow them. You know, there's all kinds of people. I mean, you used to. I mean, I, I think about us. I was a Baptist for years and years and years. And, man, we, we had a, uh, the bulletin. You know, we did a bulletin every Sunday. We brought it in and, you know, we walked in. We did things a certain way. We seated people. We took up the offering, you know, and then we talked about what was in the bulletin this week. And, of course, the only thing I can say about the bulletin this week for us here, we're going to have a Tuesday night Bible study here Tuesday night from 7 to 9. You know, that's all I know we're going to do this week that's going to be here at the church. But we have Bible study every Tuesday night from 7 till 9. So if you want to come and study the Word of God for a couple of hours, come Tuesday night at 7. We'll be here, praise the Lord. And then we would sing a couple of songs or two or three or four. You didn't ever hardly ever see anybody raising their hands. You know, we just didn't hardly do that. And you sure didn't see nobody dancing and jumping around in the aisles. You know, we didn't praise God like that. We just didn't do that. I didn't know you were supposed to do that until I read the Word. And the wrote, Word told me I'm supposed to come into the sanctuary with my hands right, praising God, dancing before the Lord. But you do that a couple of times, and they'll come over and say, Thurman, you know, you know that's okay, son. Just, you know, kind of tone it down a little. In fact, I had a girl. I didn't know her husband was a Ph.D. from one of the seminaries. And they came to my Bible study class, and she, I did, also didn't know she had had a, uh, a problem with medication for many years. She'd been raised up in a dysfunctional family, and I don't know how she'd been abused, but many ways. And she had had all kinds of medication. And after a few weeks of my Bible study class, one day she said, you know, do you have some anointing all with you today? I said, yeah. Why? She said, I'm going to get set free today. I said, well, I didn't know nothing's wrong with you. She said, yeah, I've been, I was raised up in a dysfunctional family, and I'm on about a half a dozen medications. And she said, after today, I ain't going to be on nothing. Amen. And I said, wow, her faith is talking, isn't it? Yeah. So I went out to the truck, got my bottle of oil, come in, and prayed the prayer of faith over her and anointed her with oil. And she went home that day and throwed away every medication. She flushed them all down the toilet. You know, she said, what? I'm going to flush these things. I said, well, you better make sure your face in the right place now, woman. You know, I said, don't you just go home and throw them things just because you something I'm saying. She said, what you're saying, what God says. And if what you said, what he said, she said, I can trust what you said. Amen. I said, okay. So she goes home, flushes all her stuff. And about a week later, she goes back to the doctor and said, Doc, I'm just coming in for my last time to tell you I won't never be back. He said, now, wait a minute now. How are you going to do this? She said, well, I throwed away all of my medication last week and I ain't had a pill in over a week. He said, no, what? you can't do that. What do you mean you can't do? She's already done it. He said, you go, the medications you, I've had you on is so powerful, you're going to have to come off. If you come off of them, I don't, you can come down little by little by little. Otherwise, you're going to have terrible withdrawal symptoms. She said, I flushed every one of them last week after a Bible study class. And she said, I ain't never felt better in my life. Amen. And so, praise God, this woman and her husband sang in the choir. 
And he come to me a little while after. Of course, after this, you know, normally she was a normal Baptist, you know. Set up here and held her little deal with her robe on and sing. But after this, she gets carried away a little bit and she's holding her hand up in the choir, praising God. I mean, something happened now. Jesus showed up in her life. She's grateful to the king. So she's praising him. And she just closed her eyes into worship. Boy, she just stood out in that Baptist choir. I mean, you couldn't help but miss her. You couldn't miss her. You know, she's the only one up there. She'd lay down her notes and raise her hands and praise them over their eyes closed and sing louder than anybody up there. You could hear her over them all. The pastor went up and told her, you're going to have to tone it down a little. You know, you're going to have to stop raising your hands in the choir. You're disturbing people. And she came to me and said, what do I do? I said, well, you know, you've, you can't never be a normal Baptist no more. So I suggest you pray and ask God where he wants you to go to church. I said, he'll send you to a place that's on fire for him. And then you can be used greatly. I said, now, if he keeps you here, that's okay. But I said, he'll, he'll send you where he wants you to be. And her husband came to me and said, Thurman, do you know I have, a, I have a Ph.D. from one of the seminaries here in the area? I said, no, sir. I never asked you about your education. He said, I'm going to tell you, they didn't teach us the Word of God like this in seminary. I said, well, sir, I don't know what they teach in seminary. I've never been there. But all I do is what Jesus said. And I don't have a Ph.D. from nowhere except with Jesus. And I said, he's the one that does everything. He said, you have changed our life forever. And so they started praying, and God put them in a very, very great charismatic church. And they started going, and they, I mean, every once in a while they'd come back to Justin just to see me. You know, and when they did, they said, you know, our life has changed. This church where we're going now, they're on fire. We're both singing in a choir. They all raise their hands and praise God down there. She said, it's so wonderful being in that church. Well, hey, wherever God puts you, you know, he'll put you where you're comfortable. If you'll seek him, and then when he does something wonderful for you, if you're taught by the people, then if you're blessed, then you need to pass that on to others. You know, don't just hide it. Go do something outside, out there in the world. The world needs you. They really need you out there. So, that's what the Lord is saying here. Then he says, don't go by traditions or stuff like that. I mean, let God be God. You know, if you come to a church and the service is supposed to be from 11 till 12, don't look at your watch and say, well, it's 11 o'clock. It's time to start. We're one minute past 11. What's wrong with us? Or then you watch your watch and it gets five minutes till 12. And you say, well, I hope they're about ready to give the invitation. We get, get out of here because i got to get that chow hall before them other people. And I won't, I'm leaving at 12. He ain't through, I'm through. You ain't never going to see God nothing. You need to let the Holy Spirit be in control. You know, He might today begin to move upon the hearts of people. And church may go on till 6 o'clock tonight. You know, somebody says, oh, I hope it don't for me. Then you might as well leave now because you ain't going to enjoy what he's going to do. You know, but if he's still here at six o'clock, I think about that pastor that him and his wife prayed and prayed and prayed for something to happen in her church. And they prayed for two or three years and nothing spectacular happened. And then one day he gets up there to preach and the Lord lays him out on the floor. And they think, what happened to Pastor Painted? And he couldn't talk. They come up there. They had his arms down by his side. And they tried to move him. And four or five men could not move that man. It's like he weighed a thousand pounds. 
He lay there for about six hours. They went ahead and had church. And they worshipped and praised the Lord. And everybody went home. And he's still laying there. They couldn't move him. There's several of them. His wife stayed with him. And finally, after several hours, I mean, he wasn't batting an eye or nothing. I mean, it's like he's dead. And finally, all of a sudden, after several hours, he blinked his eyes and he got up and he's, she said, what happened? He said, you ain't going to believe where I've been. He had an experience with God and that broke the ice in that church and that church caught on fire. And I mean, a revival started in that church and signs and miracles and wonders. But they prayed diligently for about three years before this happened. I wish I could have been so lucky. I prayed and read the Word of God hundreds and hundreds of hours for about ten years before God started moving with signs and miracles and wonders. But boy, has it been an interesting walk ever since. It, you know, I've never had been laid out like that with the king, but I've heard his voice several times, and I've sure got to see him do some awesome, wonderful things. And hey, but he's a, he's a God that demands that we diligently seek him. I mean, if you're out there in the world, you know, most of the time and watching secular television or ball games or soap operas or whatever, you ain't going to see God do very much. You're never going to see it because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He was not easy to get to then. He plays hard to get, doesn't He? He really does play hard to get because He said in His Word, If you draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. But we want to go our way and say, okay, God, if you want me, here I am. Come on, come get me if you can catch me. He said, forget you. I don't care. You can go do what you want to do. He said, when you draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. So he ain't changed, has he? No, if you don't draw near to him, it ain't going to happen. Then he says in verse 11, under this system of Jewish law, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. But the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. Verse 12, So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city city gates in order to make his people holy by shedding his own blood. When he did what he did, he made us holy. He made us holy. By the stripes of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, he has made us holy. The righteousness of God in Christ. So if the king has made us children of the king, and he's made us holy, he's made us righteous, don't you think if that's the attribute that we're supposed to carry, then we ought to act like that? Shouldn't we act like that? Why should we as holy children of God go out and act like heathens? I mean, you think, I mean, who would ever think that if you were the king and queen of some country like England and you had children, would you ever expect to see the king and queen's children sleeping under a bridge begging for food? Never. Never. So why would the children go out and do those kind of stupid things? Why wouldn't they dress nice? Why wouldn't they act like royalty? If you teach them these things, they will grow up to be royalty. I mean, I can remember used to when the women used to teach their daughters how to walk and how to talk. 
how to sit down, how to always wear a dress long enough to cover themselves so when they sit down, you can't see all the way to the middle of their legs. You know, we used to have some ladies that really taught the younger women how to be ladies. Many ladies that are here today, well, maybe let's put it this way. A lot of the women that are here today don't know how to be a lady. They don't know how to get the respect of a man. So he'll treat you like a lady. You know, I walked into a place of business over here in Dallas one day. And there was, they had hired a girl at the counter. It was an air conditioning refrigeration place over in North Dallas. I virtually never heard men using bad language in that place. I'd been there before many times. But now I walked in there and they've hired a woman. And I heard a little bit of profanity going on. I thought, now isn't it strange that these men are using these little cutting slurs, but I never heard them do that before this woman went to work here. And then later I come back and they had two women in there. And that day when I was in there, I heard some really awful statements and the man that was waiting on me I said who is the vice president or in charge of this company he said there's a lady that owns this place I said is she here he said yes I said I want to see her he said well okay I'll see if she will see you so he went back there and said that one of their customers And he told him who I was with, and we bought thousands of dollars worth of stuff from them every year. She didn't have a problem seeing me. I walked in, and I said, I'm the regional engineer for this corporation. And we buy a lot of product from y'all, but I want to look you, the owner, right in the face before before I pull your account. I want you to know we will never do business with you again. She said, what? Y'all have a big account with us. I said, when I walk in here and I'm offended by two men that are using slurry, nasty statements, and you got two women over there that's not much better, I said, I will not do business with somebody like that. She said, just a minute. She said, you stay right here in my office. And she walked out there, and I saw through the glass, she walked up to this great big tall guy that was her floor manager she walked up to him I heard her talking to him through that glass I couldn't hear the words but I could see the. and she brought him back in the office where I was he come back and he said you, she said you know this man he said oh yes ma'am I know him well said he's the regional engineer for a certain corporation he said you know they buy thousands of dollars worth of stuff from us every year he said oh yes ma'am said, he has just told me that there's men and women on our counter that's using words of profanity. He said, well, unfortunately, yeah, that has started happening. She said, you know I'm a Christian, and I will never allow that in my place of business. And you know, why have you let this happen in my place of business? She said, you will make sure that stops today. He said, yes, ma'am, there'll never be another word of profanity spoken in this place. I went back in there a lot of times after that. And I changed that place. I never heard another word of profanity. Not one. 
not between those guys, those women, or nothing. It went away. When you say, I'm just one person, what can I do? When you walk holy before God, you have power. And when you speak in the name of Jesus, God listens and the devil listens. You can change the places of business where you go. But you know what most of us do? We just crawl right in bed with them. Become one of them. That's what each one of them started. When one of them started, then another one started. And then the, that, I think that guy that was over the floor, I think he was one of her VPs. I really think he was. He had a great position of power because I know she spoke to him in my presence and told him what he would do in that place. And he did it. I guarantee it happened because I'd done business for them many years after that. And I never heard one word of profanity spoken. And everybody one on one in that place was very nice to me. You know, let's face it. When you're walking in a position of authority or power with someone, walk holy before God. Don't use your position of power to serve the devil. Use it to serve God. Walk holy. We, the church are supposed to be the powerful entity on this earth. We serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. We don't serve this defeated devil. Amen. We serve the King. Amen. But it takes persistence and holiness and knowing who you are and acting like a child of God. Right. You know? Acting like it. At another place over here on the other side of Dallas that the man that owned it, the man that owned it, one day I went in there getting some stuff, and he was screaming through the doors of his office at people with some of the foulest words I ever heard. I didn't even, when I asked the guy, I said, who in the world is that guy in that office? He said, that's the owner. He owns it. I said, oh, okay. So I just walked over. I, didn't even, I just walked in uninvited. And when I said, you own this place? He said, I do. I said, I'm the regional engineer for a certain corporation. We buy some stuff from you. And I said, I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you talk to these people. And I'm a Christian, and I'll tell you what, I said, until you change, we're never going to darken the door of your place of business again. Never. And I turned and walked out. I didn't give him time to answer. Let me tell you, the next day he sent one of his prime salesmen to my place of business and said, I guarantee you'll never hear another word of profanity in our place of business. What can you do as a child of God? You walk holy. You can change the environment around you. All you've got to do is walk in obedience to God's Word. Walk. Who are we anyway? We're children of the King of the universe. We're supposed to walk in the God kind of love. We're supposed to demonstrate His love and His attributes among the people we walk among. Don't become part of the group. Don't get sucked into the devil's world. Walk holy because you're a child of God. You know, don't become one of the Normal. In fact, Ty and I ministered to a man and his wife the other day. And as soon as, after one session of teaching on holiness, the man come in with an incurable disease at the age of 50. And the minute we come in and sat down, he said, I already know what my problem is. And he told us how that he comes to church on Sunday when he feels like it. And now he's got an incurable disease. And he said, when I go out on the workforce... When I go out, I can become one of the guys. I can go to church on Sunday, and I can go out there, and them guys are cussing. He said, I can fall right in with them. You never know the difference between me and them. He said, I know why I'm sick. He got a hold of it. But let me tell you, that man repented, didn't he, Ty? With tears, he said, Lord, 
I will never be one of the boys again. I'll be one of your men. And I will serve you. But see, if you don't share these kind of things with people, they never learn them. And then we as Christians never know why we're sick and afflicted. You know, if daddy gives you a spanking when you're a child, you know why you got a spanking. It was probably because you've done something very bad. Usually, daddy tries to get your attention, and the last thing daddy wants to do is have to lay a belt on your backside. And if he does, three or four good licks will get your attention. You don't have to be beaten, but three or four good licks will get your attention, and then you love them. As they're crying, you love them. We know why we got our spanking. Oh, Daddy told us probably three or four or five times before we got the belt. But Daddy's told us over and over in His Word what He likes and what He don't like. And many of us don't even read the Word, so we don't hear Him when He tells us what He don't like. And whenever sickness and disease at 50 years of age, there's no telling how many times God sent someone to this man to try to get him to realize what he's doing is wrong, and he wouldn't listen. And so now here he is at 50. He's got a terminal disease and he's going to die. If he don't repent, which he did, and believe by faith how to get healed, this man's going to die. And let me tell you, at 50, nobody wants to die and go home at 50, especially if you go home because of judgment. But man, this man said, I will never be the same. He repented with tears. And of course, he, he told us, he said, I realized, Thurman, after what you said about husbands love your wives, he said, I take my wife for granted. We've been married 36 years or whatever it was. And he said, you know, I just kind of treat her like a piece of furniture. You know, I don't really, I don't tell her very often I love her. And, of course, that day, you know, he looked at her right with tears in his eyes and said, honey, I love you. And tears came in her eyes. Boy, what a, what a reunion we saw that day. It was awesome, wasn't it, Ty? We get to see God do some wonderful things. Well, hey, don't wait till death is at your door to tell your spouse you love them. You know, I don't care which one you are, the man or the wife. Tell them. Get up in the morning. Hug them. You know, love them. When you come into dinner, hug them. Put your arms around your wife or your husband. If he does, if he's tired and don't initiate it, you initiate it. Come put your arms around and look at him and I say, honey, I sure do love you. He said, honey, get away from me. I smell so awful. You say, yeah, you might smell terrible. You've been working. But I still love you. Smell and all. You know, be nice to him. Love him. And, you know. He can always go take a shower. He can get better. You know, so it don't hurt to love him. Then in verse 16, 15. With Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise. How often? Every Every Sunday? When we come to church, do we lift up our hands and praise Him? How often? Continuously. Continuously praise God. Now see, these are things that God likes. Now if you want to walk in health, and walk, then you're going to have to walk in obedience to His Word. So Deborah, when you continuously praise the King, what does He do when you pray, when you answer, when you ask Him for something? Awesome things. Deborah's definitely learned how to get God to answer her prayers. But you praise Him all the time, don't you, girl? Yes, she's learned that. But the Lord says in His Word, let, as we read, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of His name. 
continuously worship and praise the king. Don't forget to do good. You mean we have to be reminded to do good? Obviously we do. Paul's telling us, or or the writer of Hebrews, is saying don't forget to do good. It is hard to do good. It is so much easier just to forget everything and go about your own way. But he says, don't forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need. For such sacrifices are very pleasing to God. When somebody has a need, if you have the resources to help them, give. That's just like this morning, one of the new couples that was in that class I said, you know, I brought a few of our teachings back there, CDs and DVDs. I brought a few, and I left them on a table back there, and I said, they're free. And I said, if you will go to our website, which is on one of those, you can call or order via the website anything you want, and everything you want is free and postpaid. This woman says, what? You give it away? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, how do you do that? I said, by the word. Luke 6.38, the Lord says, give and it, oh, maybe it'll be given to you. Is that what he said, Deborah? No, what did he say? Give and it shall be? Oh, give and it shall be given to you. So she said, wow, I don't see how you do that. I said, but because God's word said to. I said, she said, well, how many of those do you give away? I said, oh, it's up to about 10,000 a week now. She said, 10000 a week? Yeah. That's, I mean, Cheryl, to fill the boxes on everything back there, I think we had four or five boxes of CDs and DVDs today just to refill the racks back there. Not counting what we send out. But every week when Philip places the order, I get the ticket. Now, I don't even have time to do that anymore. Somebody else has to buy the stuff, but I still enter these expenses in the computer. I keep up with the records on the expenses. And when I do, virtually every week we're buying a minimum of 10,000 CDs and DVDs and tapes a week. So if we're buying 10,000 a week, they're going out 10,000 a week. Isn't that amazing? Giving them away? Giving them, who in the world can have that kind of faith? Hey, we can. I'm, I'm going to be glad when it gets to the point where we're giving away 100000 a week. That's what I'm looking for. Wow. Because if that many people are being blessed with 10000 what's going to happen when we send out 100000 Is that right, Sharon? Woo! I mean, everybody in this place that has listened to our teaching that have believed God have received some kind of a healing or a miracle from God. Somehow your life has been changed. And of course, whenever the material blesses you that much, you want to get a handful of it and everybody you meet, you want to give them this. A man walked up to me the other day and he says, a man that i never seen before walked up to me. I have, this, I have lots of these kind of stories though. People lots of times said they handed me a, D, a CD or DVD, whatever it was. And I said, what's that? They said, I guarantee if you listen to this, your life will never be the same. Thurman Scrivener, who's this guy? (laughs) Just listen, and I guarantee your life will never be the same. And he listened, and his life 
has never been the same. Isn't it amazing how this happens to us? I mean, I could look back at Rosemary. She listened to one of them one time, and her life ain't never been the same, has it, Rosemary? <laughs> She's never been the same. But, I mean, all of us, when I got a hold of this and I read it, my life's never been the same. And so, it has changed my life forever. So then he says, there, these obey your spiritual teachers or your spiritual leaders. Now, if you've got a good spiritual leader somewhere, obey what he says if what he's saying is what the Word says. Now, don't, get, don't take this bad advice like this one guy that came to me and said, you know, my wife and I, before we got married, she, we were going, she was going through a divorce. My wife died. And he said, we were going together and we really fell in love with each other and we fell in love with not only spiritually, but physically. We wanted to have a physical relationship also, but her divorce was going to be six months. And so I went to my pastor and said, is it okay, since we're going to get married, as soon as her divorce is final, can we go ahead and have a sexual relationship now? And the pastor said, yes, it'll be okay. So they did. They had a, he said, I knew it was wrong. He said, I knew it was wrong. But he says, we had a sexual relationship for six months, which is normal. And then we said about six months after we got married, he became impotent. And for the next 25 years, they had not one sex, not one time in 25 more years of marriage life. Did they ruin themselves? Yes. Why did they do it? Because they sinned. Just like that wisdom proverb, it's not proverb, it's a book of wisdom in the Catholic Bible. 11.16 says, whatever part of the body you sin with, that's the part that will be attacked. Isn't that amazing? That's the way it is, you know. If your tongue causes you to lie, you probably have tongue cancer. You know, if you're looking at something with your eyes like many men that we've known of, get hung up on pornography, they have cancer in the back of their eye. And usually it's only one eye. And if they don't stop it and repent, then it usually kills them in very short order. We've seen this, and we've seen some men that have repented and started getting better, and then they started immediately within six months, went back to their sin of pornography. And when they do that, seven times worse comes back in, and usually within one or two or three months, they're dead. What a way to die. Obey your spiritual leaders, verse 17, and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they know they are accountable to God. Now, if I know I'm a spiritual leader, a pastor, a teacher, and I'm accountable to God, if I throw you out of my church because you're anointing somebody with oil and telling them to get rid of sin and you're praying the prayer of faith and they're getting healed and I throw you out of my church for that, I don't want to be that pastor to stand before the king one day. I don't want to be there. If you're doing what the Word of God tells you to do and I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader and I tell you to stop doing it, if I say, don't raise your hands, it makes us look bad in church. But Jesus said, raise our hands and praise and worship Him. He says, dance before me. Now then, if you were to start dancing, and I said, you're dancing out here in front of the aisle. Benjamin does this once while him and Ty was doing that over here a while ago. They were just praising the Lord dancing. And what if I had one who said, okay, you guys, settle down a little bit. You might offend somebody in church. 
But the Lord says to dance before me. And if I go against what God, and they're doing what he says, then I'm accountable to God and he's going to judge me for that. So I want you to know, if it's written in the word, I want you to do what God says in his word. Isn't that the thing to do? And if we do that, we will be, just like Brother Paul said a while ago, I would hope to think that he's right. I would hope that if the Lord does come to take the church away, and it were to be tomorrow or this afternoon, if it came right now and caught us away, and he left me as the last one to look, I would hope every seat in this place would be clean. Nobody would be there at all, and I could see that, and then I got to go. I wouldn't want it to be like that guy that was on that film that TBN made. I can't remember the name of it, but it was called Left Behind. I guess that's what it was. Yeah, And one of the pastors, that he come to his church next Sunday, and all of the people in his church was gone, but he was still there. That's sad, isn't it? That's sad. But that may be the case in some places. We don't want that to happen. I want all of us to go to be with the Lord when that does happen. That's amazing. Like I say, it's, a, it's amazing how fast time goes by when you're having fun with Jesus. You know, wow. But it's nearly 4.30, and so I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this word that you've given us out of Hebrews 13 today. I thank you, Lord, for other spiritual leaders and holy people out there in these congregations that are giving you that worship and praise and holiness that you demand. And Lord, we want you to be glorified as we worship and praise you because we know this pleases you. And Lord, I thank you that when you're pleased, you show up to answer our prayers. Because Lord, if you don't show up in the church, nothing happens. Absolutely zero. And Lord, we don't want that to happen in our church. We want people to be set free. We want them to be blessed. We want their finances to be met. We want you to meet their needs. We want you to sell their houses or their businesses when they want to sell them and and provide them with another place and everything. Whatever kind of prayer we offer, whatever it is, whatever we ask you for, we want to thank you in advance for meeting those prayers and, and answering them. What a God you are to serve, to think that you're the CEO of the church and I get to be one of your teachers and work directly for you. And when I pray, I get to see you do the wonderful things you do for your people. Now, Father, if there's anybody here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I ask, Lord, as people come forth for prayer, that they will tell us they don't know you, but they want to know you, and we will lead them to you. And then, Lord, if there's people here that need to be healed or delivered or, or whatever their needs are, As we pray the prayer of faith for them, I ask you to meet those needs today. Save the lost, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and do all the wonderful things that you're capable of doing. And give us the privilege to pray the prayer of faith for those people, to bring them into the kingdom or to get their needs met. And Father, we praise you and thank you that you are the king of the church, that you're our Lord and our God. Now, Lord, as we close, Lord, we praise you and thank you.